Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. We have a mystery uh, how's guest. it going? Good. How's it going? Good, good, good. Things are going. Things are going well. I, uh, I, I, I came up with a really cool design yesterday, and I showed a little bit of it on on Instagram yesterday. I came up with this cool latching system. I'm working for one of the whiskey companies, and they wanted me to come up with like a recycled package for their new bottle, and everything has to be recycled these days. And uh, I started working on this box, so I showed that. So I'm excited. I was just texting about it moments before we started so that's why it's fresh in my mind with the client and they really like it and uh there's a good budget to make 50 of them so i'm excited about that so you'll be seeing more 50 of of the same thing yeah because it's a product release so they'll send it out to all the taste testers all around the globe maybe even more it's a big big product launch for a new a new product from bullet Hmm. big product launch so it's exciting to be involved at the ground floor making the package. So last night I just improvised. They basically said, this has to be recycled material. So I improvised last night and came up with something cool. It's the, it's the hmm. latching system. Because I, I make these boxes from time to time and then you put the hardware on it and the hardware never looks as cool as the box. And so it's like, let me play around with leather because there's leather scraps everywhere. And I came up with this latching system, which is something I've seen somewhere else. And I applied it to this. It's a, like a leather hasp with like a slip of leather that locks it. So you guys hmm. will be seeing more of that. I'll probably do a video on the production of these. So that's exciting. That's just on my fresh cool. in my mind. So I didn't mean to hijack yeah. the conversation. Happy Christmas. No, no, no. I think that's cool. I mean, it's interesting when, you know, we, we solve problems all the time. We make things all the time. And it does get a little bit blasé, I think, sometimes. But when something like that, you do it and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. That excitement. Yeah is i don't know it's not unique but it's it's like a like a, a high spot in the road and that's yeah that's nice you know? as a matter of fact late last night uh, i was working till about 10 o'clock i hand cut a couple of samples of the idea i was like you know what this would look really a little bit more refined if i laser cut it and so i went up to the house made the file then i went over to the laser cutter which is three miles away and i laser cut it up and i was like well i'm there let me put the logo on the front so i checked with the client he's like sure and then I went back and pulled the artwork off the internet, made some of the artwork that doesn't exist already, just from a photograph, and went back and it did the whole thing. So I'm like a week ahead of schedule. I planned on doing all this after Christmas. So I was just so in the in the groove last night. I was like, let me let me go make this leather hardware. So I made hinges and the latch at the same time. The way you said that, sorry to totally distract from what you just said. Yeah. The way you said that makes me picture your laser out in the middle of a field three miles away. <laughs> it like is. It's just, like, I keep it over there. In that surrounded thing. There's by like pickup ten trucks. other lasers that are just <laughs> surrounding it, yeah. It's surrounded by pickup trucks. It's in a cloister. <laughs> so no, I, I, a couple weeks ago, side. remember I was talking about the little 3D printed um, drive slot thing that mm-hmm. I made? Yeah. Um, so I made a reel about that. <clears throat> and I was excited about it because I made the reel right as I... I got this thing working and that reel has done very well for me uh on instagram which is surprising but the the biggest comment on it was your excitement is contagious yeah something like that where people are like it's so cool to see a person really excited about a solution to a problem um and i think it energizes people to to see that you can be you can make a thing and then be really excited about it and it serves a purpose which there's always the naysayers and stuff but 
uh, majority of people had that reaction. And I think it's the same kind of thing. The reason I'm bringing that up is because with you, if you're making a thing, if you find a solution that is exciting to you, it will be exciting to other people just because of they can see it make a difference in your, you know, attitude and, and stuff. So I think that's cool. Yeah. And it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to create that. It's hard to like, you know what? I'm going to make something really cool today that I think is cool so that other people will be excited too. Like you can't decide to do that. I don't think, but um, anyway, it was neat to see. So mm. I'm going to yeah. look. I'm looking for your post. Oh, it's not that interesting of a post, but I just mean <laughs> that <laughs> that that excitement, you know, that you naturally get when you solve a problem. I think a lot of times, for me anyway, that happens in the shop with no camera on and no, you know, it's just like it's a moment and then it passes on. I don't think about capturing it, but this I think this one particular reel was evidence that it can be useful to other people. Your excitement can be useful for other people to actually like dive in to try to solve something themselves. Look so. at that fit. So nice. <laughs> Aren't you excited? I am. I'm very excited to see it. What's funny, I'm not listening to it, but your eyebrows are raised the whole time, which makes me know that you're you're engaged. (laughs) That's a trick. That's a trick right there to a a hot reel. Yeah. Eyebrows? Eyebrows. Eyebrows are up. Cool. Like this. I got crazy eyebrows. They're always up. Anyway. I got another. What about uh, you? Are you excited about anything? Okay. I'll tell you after. Oh, well, go ahead, Jimmy. You already... No, no, no. It's, it's pointless. It's pointless. <laughs> well, I am finishing up a vanity cabinet that's getting installed in the rental house today. And I was kind of... I wasn't really excited about it because it was going ha- to be a smaller version of something that I made before. And mm-hmm. then Kelly and I were brainstorming, like, what can we do to the doors to make this a little bit more interesting? And I was like, have we ordered a shower curtain yet? She's like, no, we'll we'll, we'll order one now. And so the design on the shower curtain inspired the design on the door, which seems weird because shower curtain is not a permanent thing, but doors don't have to be permanent either. So I took um, this design off the shower curtain and kind of kind of modified it a little bit and then cnc'd some some grooves into the door and then filled that with epoxy and then the handles for the door come from the this design too and so the handles on the on the two cabinet doors are offset from each other which i've never seen on on cabinet doors so i think it something that was really simple came out really really good so that's getting installed today awesome yeah that's cool yeah yeah and it, uh, it 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 went together so fast. Like the we were we started. I, I thought I had a piece of cherry plywood for the project. I didn't. So when my brother showed up Monday morning, we had to go to the plywood store to get one. So we didn't even start the project till ten a.m. We had the cabinet glued up and drying by lunchtime, and then the rest of the time was sanding, finishing. And then the the doors took up an entire day. But it's funny when you draw something up and plan it out, how quickly things can go together. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. There, so there, yeah. was, there was that. And then there I made Kelly's Christmas gift, which is basically a tub shelf. 
So we got we had a bathroom renovation a year ago, and she wants uh, she wants a, a a tub shelf so she can just relax and have her iPad. So I made one that has two little wings and it dips down a little bit lower, then has a little pocket cut out for an iPad holder. I found an iPad holder on Amazon. It's like an aluminum one and it holds its position. It's getting epoxied in there. And then on the back side, since this is, this thing is so big, like what do you do with it when you're not using it? It's going to hang on the wall and the back side will be showing. And so I made the back side a kind of like a, I did this artwork. So it's a bunch of kind of like random shapes with random colors in there. CNC'd out the shapes and then filled it with epoxy. So it's kind of like when people buy skateboards for their look and then just hang them on the wall it's kind of it's kind of like that but cooler cooler than skateboards <laughs> cooler than skateboards cooler than skateboards yeah and uh so that is almost done so that one's not going to come out until after christmas and then i'm finishing up i got three videos that are almost done and so this third one is the uh, like a it's a dialing jig for a company called Dalmax and we I, over the last year or so i've done a couple of videos uh different festool domino c- options for people who don't want don't want to buy a domino a couple of them were good a couple of them were just complete garbage and so this is i i didn't set out to do a whole series on loose tenon joinery but i now have a whole series on loose tenon joinery hmm. and so far like this this dalmax jig has worked better than anything like it's 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 a pretty nice system it looks super complicated when you get it and i was like i'm never going to use something that that is this complicated but once you once you kind of wrap your mind around it it works flawlessly is that the one that makes the three holes it's got it's got five holes and so there's a clamp built into it so you can just clamp it to your board you can drill your holes and then it also has a pin system so if you need to go longer than the width of the jig you can move the jig over to the last hole stick your pin in there and then keep drilling Mm -hmm. Uh, and which is nice and then you can also do longer boards that comes with this longer gauge pin system so you can have like a foot between each each hole did you say the name of it again i'm gonna google it dalmax one word I, i believe they're out of canada and it works really, really good. It looks complicated because there's a lot of parts to it. And I hate things with a lot of parts. It's it's sort of like the Incra <laughs> iBox jig. Yeah. I won't use it anymore. It's just too complicated. I have to watch a video every time. But it's not as complicated as it looks. You know, so we've, we've talked about that jig before, the oh, yeah. Incra one. And I think we all have the same experience with it. <clears throat> Maybe... One of us or somebody should write down the basic steps that it takes to use that jig and put it on a little tiny piece of paper and like laminate it and just stick it to the jig. That way, when mm-hmm. we go to use it, it's like, oh, look, there's four steps. This is the right, things I right, do. right, right, right. <laughs> it's uh, I, I haven't done that, but we probably should. I made a video on how to use it probably six years ago, and so that's the yeah. video. I just watched my own video, but I have, I have a homemade finger joint jig that i made that took like five minutes and i can just pull that out and it's just it's just it's just easier yeah and takes up less it's been a while since i've had to do finger joints i don't have to do them often enough to 
yeah. even like keep the. I've made those jigs before, but I don't keep them because you like, just make another one. Do this again, and I throw it yeah. away, and then this is it. That is it right there. Yeah. Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah. Huh. Well, speaking of uh, tools, I have. Um, like things that you're not going to use very often. <laughs> I just ordered some stuff that I probably will use one time. Basically, can you see this guitar on the floor behind me? Here? No. Yeah. Um, it's just an acoustic. It's an Ibanez acoustic. So my wife works in a little juice shop, and a friend of hers owns. And I went in there to pick her up yesterday, and they there was a guitar on a stand, and they were closed. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll just while I'm waiting, I'll pick up this guitar and play a little bit. And it was way out of tune. So I started tuning it, and I got it in tune, and then, oh, it's doing that weird thumbs up thing again in the video. I saw that. <laughs> I didn't even put my thumb up, and it just, um, <clears throat> anyway, so I, I tuned it, and then went to play it, and then it went out of tune, and so I'm thinking all the normal guitar stuff oh, and everything. The neck know. snapped. No, the bridge is separating, here, I'll just show you. So... The bridge is separating from the Oh, body. it's pulling up. Oh, yeah, that's common for those kind of older guitars like that, yeah. Yeah, and so I... Yeah, you can see that it's it's still connected down there. There's a couple of dowels that run through, like right here, that are still in place, but it, it's just pulling away. The glue just let go. I don't know anything about this guitar or the history of it or anything. So I asked uh, the lady that owns it if she knew someone who could fix it for her. I showed her what the problem was. And she was like, oh, I don't know anybody. And I said, well, I can give it a shot if you want. Hmm? <laughs> and so then nice. I came home, and I'm thinking, yeah, you just pry that off, clean the surfaces, put on some sort of special glue. They, I'm sure they have bridge glue or something. <laughs> and uh, and so I researched it a little bit, found a really nice Stumac video about replacing a bridge on an acoustic. And it can be that simple, but it's not that simple. So there's a call i think is what they call it this like block with it's a it's a block with the ends with uh like screw pressure points so you put this block on the bridge after you clean it and everything to put it back on you just use tight bond um and then you you put this call over it you clamp through the sound hole to the middle of the call to hold that and then you screw down the two sides individually to actually press the wings of the bridge down. And so you're adding like basically three points of pressure instead of just one in the center because it's not a solid block. The, uh, you know, the bridge has like a scoopy wing kind of shape to it. So you're basically making clamps to fill those little mm -hmm. depressions and the wing shapeness of it. And so, you know, I'm like watching this Stumac video. Stumac stuff's great. Their equipment's great and everything. And, I'm just trying to fix this thing for a friend. And so I like click their links to their products and I'm like, oh, the call is $198. Oh, the little reamer to ream out the holes again is like $75. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, okay. <laughs> I have tight bond. So basically I went on Amazon and looked for cheap versions of all of those same things because I know I'm going to use them once. And she actually doesn't care about this guitar, so if I do something wrong, it's not the end of the world. But it, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to try something. And so I'm trying to find reasonably cheap tools that are made to do that job rather than just, like, hacking it with yeah. the clamps that I already have on hand. You know, I'm not going as cheap as possible, but I also don't want to spend hundreds of dollars to fix somebody's guitar. That's probably not worth $100. You, 
You may so, want to search Timu for an alternative to that that call. Hmm. Well, the one that I got is a solid maple. Yeah, I mean, it looks it functionally is the same, but instead of being like powder coated steel like the Stumac one is, it's made of solid maple and. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's already on the way. And the little ream is the interesting part that there's... I learned a lot of stuff about acoustic guitars yesterday that I didn't know. The pinholes, the holes where the, the pins drop in to hold the string in, have different degrees. There's a three degree and a five degree, and there's probably other ones too, but those are two common degree, uh, you know, wedge shapes. And so depending on what kind of guitar you have, you have a different degree, which means you have to get a different reamer to go down there and ream that at the same angle so that the pins will drop in the same. So it's kind of an interesting, like, oh, I never even considered that that would be different or whatever. But as you glue the bridge back on, you get a little bit of glue squeeze out in those holes, which changes the fit of the pin. So then you have to go back and mm-hmm. you don't really take out any wood with the reamer. You kind of burnish the inside shape of it so that the pin will drop in all the way. Those are the pins that hold the end of the string, right? Yes. Yeah. And they're just like a plastic. Yeah. Little pin. Um, so, you know, I, I skipped everything except for that reamer and the call. I think I have enough other clamping mechanisms and stuff to do the rest of it and clean it and, and all that. But the guy just used like tight bond one to glue it down. And, um, it was a really good video. I should link that video today just in case anybody needs it. But it was a good, you know, hmm. simple walkthrough. Um, more complicated than I expected it to be. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why I took it home. I'm like, how hard could this be? It's right. gluing some wood together. It, it looks simple there and from like, the outside. I should probably look this up just to be safe. It's somebody <laughs> else's guitar. And then I'm like, oh, wow. It's funny <laughs> okay. you, you mentioned that because a couple weeks ago, I got my, I have a, a Martin acoustic, the cheapest Martin acoustic that you can get, but they're, I think they're all guaranteed for life. And I hadn't played it in a couple months or a few months. And I realized like the action seems higher than normal. And you know, first thing you do is you check the bridge and the everything it looks it looks fine. I'm looking it up online, I'm like, oh, probably needs a truss rod adjustment. Oh, it's just a five Ooh. millimeter wrench. And I'm like, oh, but that tru- it takes a, still takes a special tool because it's so far into the sound hole that it needs this long thing with the little handle. So I ordered the special tool and it arrives and then i make an adjustment i'm like oh that is much better and now i'm getting fret buzz and i'm like you know what i don't want to mess with this anymore i'm just yeah. going to take this to somebody and have somebody else set it up because <laughs> it's a whole thing of going back and forth and loosening the yeah. strings and tight and I, I don't have time for this and it's all it's it's like tuning a guitar in that it's all dependent on mm. the work that you're doing in any given moment so as you yeah. tighten one you're loosening the others essentially you know or whatever so it's like you have to recheck and recheck and yeah 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 they're kind of a pain in the butt so anyway i'm i'm gonna be messing with that i hope i don't i don't think i can mess it up what's the worst that could happen (laughs) i mean it already doesn't work so i can't make it not work more than it currently doesn't work I think. Well, that's that's kind of what happens when you have a public guitar sitting out in space. Everyone keeps tuning it, tuning it, tuning it, and then the bridge is like ready to explode because you have like a lot of non-guitar people. Yeah, thinking and she doesn't play it. guitar yeah. either, so she doesn't have the context to know that it's right or wrong yeah. or in tune or out or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Bob, did you find a taker for the piano? 
Uh, no luck on the piano yet. I've um, I've posted it on Facebook a few times with different kind of, you know, like two different people in different places. I did get some feedback from people about auction houses um, and historical societies and stuff, which I've tried a lot of the historical places around town already. Um, but no real takers yet, just some more leads. So, mm. yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, some of the some of the recommendations were like, like Paul Mayette said, you know, take it to a boys club or a girls club, something where a kid kids could use it. And while the sentiment is good there, it's not it's not the kind of thing that kids should sit down and just like bang on. You know what I mean? It's an antique, like it's a piece of history, and it it could do if it needs to just go to a place like that and live there. That's fine, but I think it probably has a better purpose somewhere where it's mm. it's more intentional for that type of piano. Like somebody said. Ask your piano teacher if they know any families who just need a piano, you know, any kids who are starting out. And yes, I would love for somebody just to have it that needs it, but it also weighs like 800 pounds. And it's not a thing you're just going to, on a weekend, move into your living room and then decide in six months that you don't want it anymore. You know, it's it's a bigger commitment. So no luck yet. It's tough. Yeah. It's like trying to give away a pet elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's free. Very much like that. That common scenario. Yeah. yeah. So I posted the Bell video this weekend. I was trying to think if anybody, maybe somebody in the audience could remember when I first started talking about that with me. Bob, you said make one for me. I'm going to make, now that I have the tech, I'm going to make a smaller bell, something a little bit more, like maybe the one I made in the video is eight inches high by eight inches wide. I'm going to make something that's more around five inches high, five inches wide, something a little bit smaller, a little bit more sturdy to cast. And uh, but the funny thing was, since I posted the video, and the span of me working on the video starts in the end of July and goes all the way until the other night when I presented it at the New York Explorers Club. For those of you that didn't see the video, I kind of kept it a secret. The video was a, to honor two of the guys that died in the titan which is the submersible that went down to the titanic that exploded and uh paul henry nargolet and and hamish harding were two of the guys that belonged to the new york explorers club and my buddy mike was part of the club and when they talked about doing the ceremony traditionally there should be a bell and so mike said remember you keep talking about casting a bell why don't you make a bell and so that's how that story started and it's all in the video if you haven't seen it and uh, the um, the funny thing, though, is, is, is since I posted the video during this week, I must have found six, five or six notes, including I was showing somebody how the iPad works and how you could play back a video that you drew. You guys know how the iPad in Procreate, you could go back and play back the timeline of what you drew in that file. Oh, yeah. And what I was using the iPad for a lot, and I still do occasionally, is I make lists, and then I screen grab them, and then I send them to my phone. So I do a handwritten list, and <laughs> <laughs> so many ways Sorry. of making notes. Yeah. <laughs> I do a handwritten list, and then I save it, and I uh, then I use the file, then I delete it all, and then I use the same page. So the other night I was showing a friend, and I played it back. 
And the very first thing it said, cast a bell, you know, build a go-kart. And it was a whole list of things that it was all handwritten. The way, so the animation of it, all the things I was thinking oh, of. Nice. Yeah. And then I screen grabbed it or just took a picture of it and then deleted it. And then it went to two other lists and then it ended up the drawing that That's was cool. the, the drawing that was living on the page. Uh, so, so I was like, look, look how long ago I was thinking about making a bell. So that was at least two years ago. Mm. And then I found scraps of paper. I opened the notebook. So it's funny how the universe is reminding me, hey, remember you wanted to make a bell? Well, you did it. You know, it was, it just keep reminding me that I, I, I postulated about this and then I did it. So uh, I'm, I'm so happy that that's behind me. It was such an accomplishment for me mentally and physically. And uh, the one thing about it is how I procrastinated for so long until I had a real purpose. And obviously the purpose was very honorable. Uh, Okay, everybody thinks billionaires are idiots for going down to the submersible, but that's a different story. A lot of the comments is that kind of common engagement. But the the idea that uh, it's for an honorable thing, which uh, obviously is cool, but more importantly, a friend says, I need something. And my buddy Mike, you know, we're always doing each other favors. And and so that's really where the fire to complete it came from. Is And I don't know if there's a subject there or a conversation, but why do we procrastinate on something so long until the moment that something else interjects to, to take the that procrastination hmm. away? But And I also mentioned I know in the why. video and a lot of... Why? For me, it's like I, I'll wait to the last second to do something because I think the ultimate idea is I'm just waiting for the inspiration to strike. I'm waiting for that ultimate idea. I might have something in mind to execute whatever, but if I wait on it just a little bit longer, if I wait on it till the night before to start something, I'm going to have the the, the perfect, best version of it. The perfect design, yeah. Yeah. Well, in my video, I talk about it, and I and I know it. I identify it, and I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. It was fear. It was just basic fear-based procrastination that I was going to do it wrong. I was going to waste materials. I spent several thousand dollars getting this video done. Uh, I can't even imagine five five hundred dollars just in the bronze alone that I got on eBay. When I finally, after we cast a couple, and I realized throwing bullet shells and bits and pieces of bronze and brass and screws and keys into the thing. You don't end up with the purest pour. You end up with a lot of porosity and that's holes and Swiss cheese kept parts of your casting. So that one bell that I came out, okay. And then I was like, let's do a better one. So then I ended up using some pure bronze that I got on eBay. Long story short, I ended up spending a lot of money, but I just kept saying, this is the education that I've needed to do this. And this is the education I feared jumping into. Because I don't want to fail. And I have videos. I have people always say, do you ever not finish a video? There's there's probably 10 videos in the last 10 years that I started and just didn't finish because the net result wasn't that exciting or it was lackluster or it completely failed altogether. I made this whole video about a fence for a client. It was a, I made a trade with this guy and he's like, can you make a fence? One of my clients. So I went and I bought the same steel and everything. And I made this fence for somebody. Was I, and then I never got the beauty shot because the client didn't like it. It wasn't exactly the same metal. To they basically wanted this gate, so I made this gate and this like a piece that would extend. And I gave it to the guy to install. I, it was a trade, so the installer was the client, but his client didn't like the net result. And I thought it looked exactly the same. They didn't. The client was very stickly, so. 
I said to him, I go, did you ever get beauty shots? I think he goes, I was too embarrassed to tell you the client rejected it. And he goes, so did you get somebody else to make the fence? He goes, no, they just said, forget it. Because they knew, realized they have this like expensive cast iron fence. And to get something that looks exactly like that, you would have had to go back in time to whoever made that cast iron fence. He said they were being real sticklers about it having to look exactly the same. And he tried to tell him there's no way it could look exactly the same unless it was made by the same guy. It looked, it was in the 98th percentile. But the texture of the metal, they didn't like it. So they said, so I made this whole video and I just never did anything with it. So that was the hmm. same fear that was kind of lingering around the bell. I was like, I'm going to get down there and I'm going to... And the, the failure that I had, if Mike wasn't involved, I might have just said, well, this is the first one I tried. It didn't work. That's where the video ends. But because we had the ceremony lingering, the ceremony was originally going to be in September, but then they moved it to December. So that bought me more time to keep trying. And in the video, the last one I make, which is the most successful one, which, long story short, too, I misspelled the gentleman's name on there like an idiot. That's another story. But that last one I made the whole thing in one day. So all the tech I was learning up until that moment was months of experimenting and learning and procrastination. I did the whole thing in one day. So now I feel like I could make anything in one day. I can make a bell in one day. <laughs> I think the thing, listening to you talk about that, I think the thing, uh, how do I say this? That we, that needs, when we have a good idea or we have an idea, we have a desire and then it just sits. It, it's, it doesn't actually take off until you have like a catalyst. And that catalyst is sometimes, I think most often for me, that catalyst is a local kind of internal frustration. Like I have, I don't know what to do with this pile of stuff. And so the catalyst is irritation. And that irritation gives me enough fuel to follow through on a, yeah, I should design that big container for all of these things that I've been talking about or whatever. The Carmen Ghia is a good example. I wanted to do a Carmen Ghia forever since high school. It's been, you know, and I would talk about it all the time. And one time for Christmas, probably five years ago or something, Josh and Anthony used my own money to buy me a brand new Carmen Ghia steering wheel and like badges, one of which is stays on my desk right here as a, as a reminder they just like for Christmas, they gave me pieces of a Carmen Ghia that I didn't own. And they were like, here you go. Now you have no reason not to do the thing. And that was enough of a oh, catalyst that's cool. that's really that cool. I was like, oh, maybe I should actually like look for a car or see at least what it's, you know, just take a step toward the thing that I've been talking about doing forever. And it took a little while, but then all of a sudden I was like, I found a car. Yes, let's, let's do that. And then I got the car and then it just, but without somebody, that external catalyst of pushing me toward action rather than just talking about it, I don't think that I would have actually done that. It's the same thing for you. You had somebody external to you that needed a thing that happened to line up with something you had thought about for a long time. And it was just, right. it was enough to get you to actually follow through, get past that fear. But I, I think a lot of times that thing that gets you moving is, for me, is in lo local, not internal, but it's like, it's right here in my house. It's a need. And so I'll like my, okay. So my basement, I've told you that I'm redoing our basement for the kids. I think, have I told you about that? Mm -hmm. 
basically just redoing the whole basement. And the the catalyst for it, I've been thinking about that for a while, but the catalyst was one day just watching my kids be teenagers and going like, oh man, like they're leaving soon. They're not going to be here that much longer. What can I do to give them a reason to be, not to stay here, but to be here while they're here, you know, while they're still at home? What can I do to give them something that they can be together and be with us and stuff? I'm like, oh, well, the basement. Okay, that's a good enough reason for me to finally do something that I've been thinking about doing for six years since we moved in here. So I think there's a lot of those local catalysts that we that happen and we don't even think about it, but it's the thing that pushes us toward you know, action on any of these things. My opinion. Yep, it, it always helps to have a catalyst. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paying customers is always very nice when you have a sure. Deal. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> I, I could explain. I, I I didn't really explain it well, but it took me a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking to figure out how I misspelled the gentleman's name at the end. So if you go back to the beginning of September, or, or sorry, the beginning of uh, end of July, August, when I started making the original one that I made in styrofoam, and then I applied laser etched letters to it. I accidentally mistyped two T's for the gentleman's last name. And when I laser cut it and I applied the letters to the bell that I thought were going to be raised for the final casting, which that part didn't work out, I just didn't use the last T. I was like, oh, there's no... I'm, I realized I checked and it was really just a typo error. Like I typed... I knew how to spell his name, but I just hit T twice. And so in the final file... When I laser etched it, I was like, oh, whatever. I just don't. So if you go back and look at me applying the cardboard letters to the bell, you could see the extra T in the, in the cutout. So then when it came time to metal etch it, I went back to that same file, copied and pasted out of it, and started a new Illustrator file with the curve in it so that it would apply. And both times, I didn't eliminate the T from the original accident because mm. it had been so much time I forgot. And I had such tunnel vision on just trying to get this thing done and try and make sure that I was taking care of all the things on the checklist, except for the spelling. And Mike knew that I misspelled it, but he didn't tell me until after the ceremony. He didn't want to embarrass oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah, no. and him and Richard, Richard Garriott, who's uh, a couple of people recognize him. He's a very big uh, game developer. Uh, him and Richard came to me afterward. They're like. We're so honored you did this. It was really thanks. But you did misspell Nargalat. I'm like, what? What? No way. What are you talking about? They're like, no, we're not kidding. We're not kidding. I'm like, what? And I looked and I'm like, and I immediately remembered that I had this confusion about the two T's in the beginning. And it didn't occur to me until that point. And uh, I said I could take it because the second etch, the most successful bell, the etch wasn't deep. I said I could polish the T out. It's at the very end. I could polish. They're like, nope. We we actually really the one thing about the Explorers Club is that the the members are all very quirky, and they're all bragging about their accomplishments and they're all very eccentric, and they loved the fact. In fact, those two guys both said, "Don't worry about it. We love the fact that it's quirky and that it's a little, it's not perfect." And interesting. And uh, and it's a funny story. They it's part of the Explorers mystique is that there's always crazy stories with everything, right? And. Uh, then I met the director as I was leaving, the director of everything, who has a bell collection of all things. He's like this. He is. He is like the fifth bell ever made in Europe, in his possession. It's like crazy. It's like made in the 1400s or something. 
and he was opening his phone. And he was going through, show me. He goes, don't. He goes, don't for one second feel bad. He goes, people make mistakes like this all the time in the bell business. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> you know, in the he biz. goes a common a common thing to do is to fill it in with lead if you have a miss, uh, you know, a misdecoration or a mismatch. And I said, I go, well, I, I still do want to try and make it again. He says, it's not necessary, but that's up to you. If you want to make it again, hmm. correct the spelling. And so I might actually do it again, just to hmm. get more of the the tech and the learning in. And uh, so that's my bell story. But it was—I'm really glad I, I accomplished that. And it's there's almost like a vacuum. <clears throat> it's like what's next? So it's like I went from the boat. You know, think of all these sort of like lily pad projects for me is like the making the rowboat and, and the bell. And I don't know if there was anything in between. Oh, the pool table for me this year was a huge accomplishment. <clears throat> And, you know, it was another fear-based thing because all the, the specific tech that goes into making a pool table, I didn't want to mess it up. The very intimate details of where the pockets live and the bumpers and the curves and the angles and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's just the salt tactic is just not confronting the details in the, in the high tech. What do you think's next? I'm thinking about that. I might – I've been wanting to. I have a – an 86 Chevy flatbed. It's sitting right near the garage. I brought it over here this summer. I was actually we're talking to Scott Crabtree. He's going to help me do a wrap on it. And I've been talking to him about that since we met in person in Louisville a year and a half ago. And uh, I think I might bring it inside. I just got to figure out what to do with the pool table. I might, I might cherry places. I put the pool table in the backyard. <laughs> and put oh, the my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll put a really good cover on it. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to have to bring the truck in from the other side. But actually, the barn is closed. It's up a now, flatbed, so. though, right? So why don't you put the pool table on the flatbed, and then well, you the, have a mobile pool table? The project is to take the, the 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 project is to remove the bed and rebuild it. So that's the project. As a I pool could table. technically, yeah, <laughs> 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 make the flatbed a pool table. No, I'm going to take the, the the bed of the truck off because it's really rotted. It's a rotted mess that was applied to the truck after it was bought. It wasn't the original bed. It was just like it was probably like the fourth life that it's lived on the back of this truck. If the truck is a 1984, the bed is probably from the 60s. It, that's how rotted it is. And I'm going to take that off and remake a brand new bed. So I, I got some choices. But that, that's the, the process is what am I going to do? Where am I going to do it? So mm. I definitely have to do it inside because of the winter. And yeah, so I got you some You could make it an actual with. bed. And then like it could be your shop bed. And it could just be parked in the shop, and anytime you want to take a nap, you mm-hmm. just go yeah. plop in the back of your Chevy. Don't tell anybody, but that's what the ta- pool table's for. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah, got a set of pillows and a comforter on it. Yeah, a mattress that's fit just right on top of the... The funny thing is, during Maker Camp, it had lots of people coming in and around the house. And I prepped the pool table. I took the cover and all the piles of junk that was on. I usually use it to lay the leather out. So I took all the, the stuff off of the pool table, expecting everybody to have these like rounds of pool... Nobody touched it. Not one maker came near the pool table. We're all busy talking about tools the whole time. I was really surprised. I was like, come on, everybody want to play? And I was like, they're like, poke one ball and then put it down. They're like, cool, tell me about your bandsaw. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> right. That's funny. Um, so I was thinking about something while, while we were talking about, like, solutions. Um. I was actually thinking about how all of the things that you're talking about, the the bell and the pool table and even that truck, like those are those are very you 
your specific situation solutions. Like they are two specific problems. And I know we've talked about products and stuff a lot lately. Or not lately, but you know, we've talked about products, making products forever. And I was thinking about this this morning about how so many of the things that we do, we being me, uh, do in videos are specific. They're they're solutions to my problem. And this one I'm starting to think about for the next couple of weeks is it's a solution to my problem, but I'm I'm actively trying to make it a solution for other people's problems too. I don't know if I'm saying this well, but instead of just making it the way that I would do it for me and that being the end of it, I'm trying to like do that and then pause before I actually do any work and think, what steps could I take to make it a little bit more general, a little bit more useful to somebody else? Not that it's necessarily going to get sold, but just more as like a problem solving exercise than how do I generalize this just a little bit? Because I was thinking about how we solve problems and everybody I think is capable of solving a problem that they have, but some people don't want to invest into the what it takes to solve that problem. So they either don't have the tools or they don't have the institutional knowledge or they just don't have the initiative to do it. And that's why we drive other people's cars, right? That's why we, we don't build our own cars from scratch. So I was trying to think about a couple of things that I'm going to be working on over the next few months and how I can turn those into not necessarily products I would sell, but turn them into products from a generalized point of view. And I have some ideas specifically for this one, but it might be an interesting thing just to kind of throw around. Like, how do you take an idea and generalize it? How do you take an idea and make it past you? I work the opposite way. I take a general idea and I want want to make this just for me. Hmm. I think I do that too. I think I'm just trying to think the other way. Right, right. So you're saying take take a process and and just distill it down to points, bullet points? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't really know. I... I think I, I think I'm like mid thought in this yeah. for this video, and so I'm I'm not exactly sure how to ask the right question. It's like you're, you 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 want to make a drawer organizer, but you want it and you want it to be for you, but you also want to make it so other people could do the same thing for them. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's a good point. I was I've talked about these little trays that I've been working on. And I could have stopped with that because they do exactly what I need them to do already, and that's it. Um, but yeah, like if are there small changes that I could make to this idea that the, then the two of you would go, oh yeah, I could use that too. And would those changes be drastic enough that it would take it away from being useful to me, or is it something that like is there yeah. is there a medium right. of becoming globally useful? Globally, so maybe in you know, you know what I mean. Um, and so I'm just trying to wonder, I'm wondering if there is some sort of a, maybe like a process that could be developed around taking an idea that is specific, having a little outline of, of questions to ask about changing this into something that's more 
globally useful. I didn't know if you guys had any experience with that thought process in any. I think a big part have... of a big part of a lot of the problems is where to get stuff and what is the right stuff. Mm. And obviously, there's always YouTube, but there's I've been researching doing the next the next phase of my casting learning is to do the shell molds, which is how I should have done the bell from the beginning with a ceramic shell mold. And I had a really hard time figuring out the technology that I would need to go to that next step. So I finally spoke to my friend Mark at the Complete Sculptor. If anybody knows Mark Fields, Complete Sculptor is a, a place in Manhattan, but it's also global because their website is called sculpt.com. And I spoke with Mark. I've known Mark for years, and he guided me to the right stuff. <clears throat> so I have this slurry that comes in a five-gallon bucket, and then you do you do a, a wax model, and you dip it, and then you put the powder on it, and then you let it dry, and you dip it. You do like five shell, five coatings, and then you bake the shell. But the one technology I haven't been able to find is how long is the baking process. It doesn't say it on the bucket. It doesn't say it on any of the literature I've been able to find. And everyone's like, oh, you take this and you just put it in the kiln. I'm like, what temperature, how long, what is the process? Mm -hmm. And it's, the you would assume it says it right on the bucket. This is the stuff, bake it to this temperature. But there's something really interesting about how companies get non-committal about stuff like that. Like you notice mm -hmm. how it's hard to find schedules on how to do certain laser cuts. In fact, I was even talking to, uh, when I was friendly with Full Spectrum in the beginning, somebody that told me, we don't publish to any of this stuff because we just let the the user find the average and post about it. They don't say, if you're going to cut leather this thick, cut it at this, at this speed. Because they say every piece of material is slightly different, so I kind of understand. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to this particular, when I can't find a specific thing about a specific thing, it's because they're non-committal about it. I don't understand why. It's got to be written somewhere because somebody knows who to turn the, the kiln to. I'm going to ask Mark when I get right down to it what I need to do. But taking what you're saying is you demystify the process and then you can mm -hmm. share the process. So, I mean, it's a lot of what we do in general. Yeah. Demystifying the process. And with with that particular the example you just gave, is there... Is there like an institutional language that that the only thing I can think of is like when you're doing pottery, you talk about cones, right? Right. Yeah, cone six or cone six. Anybody outside of pottery would not have any idea what that means. So it's mm -hmm. like an institutional verb, not a verb, but like there's language there that means certain things to people who understand the thing. Is there a language around the stuff that you're talking about? That That's maybe really... you're looking for an explanation in the wrong language? <clears throat> no, I just need to know what the temperature is. <laughs> right. But because... I mean, is there is in that world, is there maybe like a, you know, elephants? It's it you just cook it for four elephants. And that means <laughs> X <laughs> thing at whatever, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it would be cones, but nobody's committed to writing it down. Mm -hmm. I, okay. But I haven't gotten that far yet. When I get there, I'm gonna literally go and ask either the company technologist, because there is a, an access on the website. For this particular model number of slurry, or I'm going to talk to Mark. I'm wondering Mark if there's an environmental issue where it, it's not just a like cook it at 1500 degrees or whatever it is, because maybe right. the humidity, maybe humidity or temperature or right. materials, all those things affect it. One of the things yeah. um, I've been using the CNC for the last couple of projects, and I have totally 
just stopped worrying about feeds and speeds on the CNC. Whatever the default is for the that's the same bits. with me. I don't. I so, don't. <laughs> and he, so here's my trick though, is I'll, I'll st- uh, I'm using UC UC CNC as my whatever controller for the the machine. I will just start it off at thirty percent, and then I would just go by sound, and I'll, I'll slowly while this while the thing is running, I'll just raise it up until I think the speed is sounds good, and then you know, and then the um, the, the spindle speed, and and it's and so I don't I don't even care I I don't even look up feeds and speeds anymore. I don't need to. I just yeah, start it off that super is a big, slow and just ramp it up. It's funny that that's another bit of of stuff that that's like one of the things that really hampers people's jumping in. They're like, I don't know the feed. I don't know the speed. This reminds me of something I, I once heard Izzy say, somebody told me Izzy said it, or maybe I heard Izzy say it. I can't remember, but he said he runs cause Izzy's done lots of production and you would only need to worry about what I'm about to say. If you do production, if you're a hobbyist, who cares? You run it, whatever. But Izzy would run it until the bit snaps doing test cuts and then dial it back. So if the bit snaps at, 100 times per X, he'd dial it back to 90. But he'd keep mm. ramping it up, ramping it up until the bit snaps, and then he knows where to dial it back from. So he goes right to the pressure point and then comes back, and then he just runs his machine like that. Mm. So obviously, but obviously that's for more production stuff if you're making lots and lots of parts. But if you're not making a lot of parts, I, I, I had this argument with somebody, somebody was in the shop, and they're like, you could really speed that up if you want. I'm like, I'm making two things, and I have all week to make them. Yeah. I don't need to run it faster. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, at this rate, I don't need to put on earmuffs. If we speed it up, then all of a sudden I got to wear earmuffs. It's fine. But uh, by the way, cones is just an old school way of pottery. And Bob, you know this, and Dave, you probably know this. They make these ceramic cones, and when the cone melts, there's different cones at different categories. You stick them in the old kiln, whether you were firing it with regular wood or whether you're firing it with electric. Back in the day, you didn't have these high-tech controllers, which could get you right to the temperature and stop. So you put these little ceramic cones that that were made by a supplier, and when the cone drooped, you knew it reached that heat. Hmm. So when you say fire it at cone six until it, then you put the cone in there, and then when you see it droop, I don't know enough to know. Then what do you do? Dial the heat back? I don't know. How do you control it? How do you stay in that range? I don't know. Just blow on it. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it was. So when someone says cone six, it's... It's like cone six is, I don't know, I'm making this number up. It might be 1,800 degrees. Cone seven is 1,900 degrees. And mm-hmm. cone eight is just, you know, these temperature ranges aren't a lot. They're only like 100 to, you know, within 100 or so degrees between the various cones. And then when you have something like like a cone 10, that's when you're firing porcelain or something that's really really high tech or like a razor blade that's made out of ceramic they're like cone 10 and 12 so it really really turns it to like hard glass whatever that is but i learned all that jumping into pottery and i'm still a little intimidated to go into pottery i mean i've obviously experimented with it but uh, not in a not in a reliable way i'm still Mm. always just playing in the dark and i just have to do it more that's all it gets down to speaking of pottery i Jenny was doing pottery for a while and then her friend that was teaching her and had a whole setup moved away and so she hasn't really done it since then that's been a couple of years now but it's something we've always wanted her to 
be able to do. Did you ever make a pot? Were you going to make a pottery shed? Did you or were you going to? No, we still want to, but it's just a matter of finding like the spot and uh, property lines and all that stuff. But actually, the other day, um, I saw an article about this. What do they call it? It was like an Amazon guest house, and it was basically a small guest house that you could buy on Amazon. Oh, yeah. And there's a few, like, tiny home things that people have, like, Home Depot sells, like, a tiny house, you know, and it's yeah. a couple of thousand dollars, and it's everything two stories. you need. Really? Yeah, they sell a two-story one for $15,000, Oh, which you could have I dropped don't... off. It's crazy. It's like, it gets you started, and then you just spend, you know, another 5000 to build it out, and you get a beautiful home for under $25,000. Well, these are smaller. These are more like sheds that, you know. But anyway, I saw one of those, and it got me thinking about, again, about trying to build some sort of little shed for her to do pottery in. But I um, actually heard from, there's a guy that listens to the show, and Mac, and he's been talking to me about getting a kiln. He's had a kiln for a long time that he doesn't use, and so we've been talking about getting it from him, from Chattanooga and all this stuff. He's coming through here in January. He's finally going to bring... He's finally, I'm <laughs> finally going to be available for him to bring the thing to me. I didn't mean it to say it like that. So, <clears throat> um, that might be the catalyst, you know, of, of us. If we have a kiln that's ready to use, that might be the catalyst for us to actually make a space for her to do pottery again, which is kind of a weird thing to have it cause or like, you know, we should have figured that out before now, but up until this point, if she made something, she wouldn't be able to fire it. There's, what's the point of other than just practice? You know, what's the point of making a finished thing that you can't fire and then you can't use and stuff like that? So, maybe by adding another giant uh, electricity-consuming thing to our home, we'll be forced to make a place for her to do pottery. Mm. Maybe. So. Yeah. Well, when you make pottery. You know this, but I'm just saying that loud. There's this whole step where you actually make the clay, and then you stop. You do your whole clay you create, whether it's hand building, which is not using the wheel or using the wheel, and then you just have to wait. A week, two weeks. That's why if you go into any potter studio, there's stuff drying everywhere. Because then once it dries, then you refire it, and then you have to let that cool, and then you put glaze on it, you fire it again. So it's a really long, yeah. it's a long several-step process. That's ancient, There's, just like casting. It's like an ancient process, which it's it's like some of the original making processes is pottery and casting and right. and forging. It's like the most primitive maker technologies in yeah. humankind. Yeah. So I hope we can get it set up because it's something that she really enjoyed and I would like for her to be able to get back to, you know. Plus, selfishly, it's a... It's a thing that I don't know how to do. She could teach me. Not that I would want to try to... I don't want to do it as well like a, as a hobby, but it would be, just be cool to learn another thing. But also there's a bunch of stuff around a new process like that that I get to make. Like I made a, a wheel already, but I would get to build this building for her to actually have this studio in. I would get to build a roller so she could roll out flat pieces to make, you know, plates out of and things. I, you know, there's all these utensils that would be useful for her to do that hobby that I could make and I could help with. So, yep. Yeah. One of my hobbies is making spaces to have hobbies. 
but then not actually doing the hobby. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, like I can help you with that. Like I oh, over here, you can't see it off camera, but there's a. There, I, I made this whole cabinet, and it's got pull-out drawers, and it's full of synths and drum machines, and it's all organized for wires. And I spent so much time getting it perfect so I could easily make music. And it's it's mostly like a it's a room decoration, and I've done the same thing in the in the shop. I, I made a little corner where I, I put a little corner desk, and it's a sit stand desk, and I, I I made the walls real nice, so I I feel like oh I can go out into the shop and I have a little computer area where I can do computer stuff. I never use that corner in the shop. I do this all the time. I make spaces to use, but don't use them. Because I like making the space. I like the, I, I like mm-hmm. the idea of making something that I could use. I mean, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like making. I like setting things up. Yeah. You it's know, weird. Like, yeah. I don't. Well, it's not weird. It's 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 a part of the process because there's a lot of people who don't want to set up the area. Mm-hmm. They just want to do the thing. It's the you know it's just two parts of the same long process, but I don't know how many three D printing stations I've made. <laughs> where it's just like okay, now this table, this is the three D printing one, and I'm going to put them here, and I'm going to you yeah. know, and then I get another printer, and I'm like, ah, well, that doesn't work anymore. How can <laughs> I? I'm doing the same thing right now. I've got a new printer showing up today, uh. <laughs> and I've been for two weeks going, how can I change this area so that my station right. is what it needs to be I, that's yeah. one of the things that i'm working on right now is a, a place for the resin printer to just make it a little bit easier to because there's a lot of post-processing i want to make that as simple and as clean and as less messy as possible so right now i'm thinking okay maybe i need a drawer here i need a space here i need a tub here and a light here and i can do all the stuff and it'll be so easy for me and yeah. then I'll I'll probably get it. And, and, and that'll be the and last one be, you'll yeah, ever have to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're like almost an hour in. We didn't get to the topic for at least the third, maybe fourth week. Mm. <laughs> so we'll just keep, you know, we'll talk about being old men eventually. Um, mm. But before we wrap up this, I don't think we're going to record next week because I want to take a week off okay. of yeah. everything. Um, so... Before we wrap up for the year, for the show, do you guys have, is there anything else you're trying to accomplish this year in 23, next couple of weeks? Is there anything that you're just wanting to like check off the list, get it out of the way, be done with it? Anything like that? I want to finish my barn. So if I have about two weeks to finish the barn, I only need about another $50,000. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah everybody buy a bag. Everybody buy a bag. <laughs> buy a leather bag. No, that's that the the barn is moving along, and I'll do an update. <clears throat> I, I'm kind of associating the barn with the with the graveyard house build, so I'm going to do an update each time inside the end of the graveyard house build because it's they're kind of similar like topics. But what do I want to accomplish by the end of the year? I'm just happy. I'm just happy everything's going well, and I'm just thankful that uh, I still get to do this. It's a, a buddy of mine sent me. A thing the other day about metal spinning is like you know what you should do you should do metal spinning and i went and i found the very first bell which is an odd week to remember that i did metal spinning i made a little tiny bell with metal spinning I made a bell out of a piece oh. of material that was like four inches in diameter and i made the form and then i formed the bell over the form and then that's the bell that's in my little dog house where my little 
Woody climbed inside and rang the bell when he stepped inside the schoolhouse doghouse. Oh, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. That was uh, 10 years ago. So that's what I posted the other day. So um, it's funny how uh, I've been able, I've been at this for 12 years. And then I got another reminder. It's like, hey, remember doing this? It was like a Facebook thing. I was like, wow, that was 12 years ago. I still feel like I'm new in this game, mm. new to this whole life. So, And this whole life of me started at 40, 45 years old. So if you're out there trying to figure out your career, it's never too late. Never too late. Yeah, for sure. I just want to finish my commitments that I have. So I, I still haven't finished our wedding rings that we're due in October. I'm almost done, <laughs> but I, I just got a little bit further to go. I want to get that done before Christmas, but I might not. I don't think I'll have time. I've got two Squarespace videos that have to come out before the end of the month. It's December 20th right now. I have I have 11 days to finish up those two videos. I wanted to make my mom a plant stand for Christmas. I just want to get these. I just can't wait for January 1st because it's going to feel like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can start over. So your break is, is in January, not now. Not now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, for me, I don't know that there's anything specific I need to finish up before the end of the year. I mean, I think I'm actually ahead on videos, which is kind of cool. And so it's a perfect time to take a week or so off and just relax and hang out with the family and stuff. And I'm going to do that. But I also really, I'm kind of energized by the momentum of being ahead, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to keep being productive. I think... I think the thing that I actually want to accomplish before the end of the year is taking some of the the ideas that I've started playing with and have just needed more thought and actually giving them the thought that they need. I think specifically these little trays that I was talking about, they're really close to being enough. And I I wanna just I just wanna like spend an afternoon and think through them, finish the modeling and then print a whole bunch of tests. And I, this some guy asked for the files. And uh, I responded like, hey, I'll, I'll happily send you the files if you promise to print them out and then tell me, give me feedback on like actual use. Because I, I really do want this to be a little system of things that could be useful for people. But I'm only one perspective on that. So, you know, I, I'm trying to get some feedback because I just want to wrap them up and have a little useful thing that can then be out there. So I think I think for me it's more it's wrapping up ideas that just need a little bit more finesse mm. rather than like a you know another project to try to fit in or anything like that. So yeah. What, cool. In the after show we should tell <laughs> each other when we uh, the the weekly time that we're supposed to set aside for our hobbies. That's right. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> I did start though. Okay. I did start. I actually one of my one of my video things is is about that. So yes, okay, we we will talk about that for sure. Um, oh, I just have this on my desk. I just want to show it real quick because look at this thing. So the other day I saw uh, Aaron Draplin. Uh, I don't know if this is new. I don't think it's new. I just somebody posted about it. But he has these aluminum uh, conversion charts, and there's a, he has a couple different sizes, a couple different colors, 
but it's fractional and decimal down to like 64ths fractional. And it's just a an equivalent chart. And they're really nicely made. They're not very expensive. I ordered a couple of them just to kind of put in the shop. I really like his design style. We've talked about him before. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were just a cool little thing to be usable. So, um, and I've got stickers from Chris Zepp that have basically all the same information on them. I keep those around and everything too, but these are just really nice looking. And so I was going to show you those in case you ever want to get Am out. I allowed to? Could you drop a picture in the, can you drop a picture in the uh, chat just so I can take a close look? Yeah, sure. You're coming, you're coming through Pixelate. I really am interested. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're nice looking. I got the orange anodized aluminum. Uh, there's a silver, you know, one too that's, silver it just looks more plain uh, but you know it looks like something that would be riveted to the side of a machine yeah and it, it's pretty cool and his stuff is always inspiring to me from a really interesting like perspective that like it's so simple i feel like a lot of times inspiring things are exceptionally unique or exceptionally a step outside of what you see and his stuff is so like I don't, I don't know I don't know the word for it well designed standard it's like <laughs> yeah. it's so I don't, I don't know if I may plug I my like own self really for just a second I have a poster Gross. that is a fraction to decimal uh, oh yeah th- th- yeah so um, if I may plug my oh, own self, I've, I've got a full poster with that chart on there, and I also sell notebooks with the chart built, uh, printed on there too. So that was a very shameful plug. <laughs> shameful. Not as probably not as good. Yeah, as we've talked plug. about doing something like this for a long time yeah. too. This is really nice looking. I like this. Cool. And I use it all the time. Well, since we're I, like I, I, since we're doing shameful yeah. plugs, can I can I Please. do one too? Make me. It'll make me feel better. So couple. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of soft launched an Arduino kit. Um, so we, instead of just rebranding an Arduino kit from China, which we looked into, but it was just, I don't know, it wasn't all the right stuff. So we found a company to work with to put together a kit of electronics that are specific. Like I picked all of the items that are in the kit. And... So I'm, I made this kit of the things that I use all the time and then some general stuff as well. But we made it as, a, as an accompaniment for our Arduino course. And so it is everything that you need to go through all the lessons. And you can get these things piecemeal. You can buy them separately. You can, you know, it's not like you have to have this, but I just tried to, you know, I don't know what the word is, uh, put all of this stuff into one box all the stuff that I use all the time. It's in all the projects and everything. And so we ha- we made a hundred of them as a starting point. Uh, and we've sold a lot of them to the people who bought the course and just people who are on the mailing list and stuff all that already. But if you want um, an Arduino kit from us, uh, they're available. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you probably too late to get them for Christmas now. But they do ship in like two days from California. So they're pretty quick. Anyway, that's that's a new thing that we're we're trying out. Nice. And since you guys are talking, I was going to just uh, clear up the reason the, the leather bags are not on the website 
because a lot of people can't find them. They're not on the website, and that's why I just keep saying DM me for quotes is because they're in a couple of stores, so I don't want to compete with their pricing publicly in case people realize it because they're more expensive than they are from... If you buy them from me, they're cheap. If you buy them from these stores, and nobody I know would be in these stores. They're kind of high-end stores. They're double the price. So I'm selling them directly. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. also, it just cuts out any confusion. If there's any issue with the color or the shape and the questions, <clears throat> they're on the website. I would have to answer through my guys there. It's just easy to go directly here. So, mm-hmm. And then they're limited in quantity. So I have some some days less other days so this way you could talk to me intimately i could send you pictures of exactly what's available and that's why do they have any sort of not that you need to do this i'm just curious mm-hmm. do they have any sort of uh like numbering on them or a, a no a couple of people said i should number them but i, I haven't i'm just selling them yeah i can i can go through my because every time i send something to somebody i always photograph it and send it to them i was like this is the one you're getting so <clears throat> you should cool. stamp like one slash a hundred on all. <laughs> <So it laughs> yeah. like they're all the f- or like two, two slash a hundred. <laughs> Makes it seem a little bit more real. No, yeah. I do have an ongoing list on the refrigerator. Every time I put one in the mail, I write who it was for and the date. So, hmm. up to about twenty right now. Wow, awesome, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters for the year. You guys find something to recommend. Last recommendation for the year, so it better be a doozy. I got a good one. Not really. Um, big thanks to everybody for on Patreon that supported the show this year. Whether you're still doing it or you did it for a while, we're very grateful. Um, I had a conversation this past week again about advertising on this show, and it's just not worthwhile. <laughs> it's just not worthwhile to do that to the listeners when we have support, the support that we have through Patreon. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm grateful. You all, the people who are supporting on Patreon make the show better for everybody who's not. I'll point that out because we're not reading ads and everything. So big thanks to them for, uh, you know, helping us and helping everybody else. It's it's great. The top supporters, people who go above and beyond, Crabtree Creative, Web Ranch Specialties, Michael Manegin, Warren Works, The New Janky Workshop, Scott, at Dad It Yourself DIY, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Low End Designs. Mm. Low End Design. I always put an S there, and there's not. Sorry, Rich. Chad's Custom Creations. There's two S's there, so it evens out. Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, Corey Ward, and Nick Ryan. Big thanks to Thank them you. for going above and beyond, but also... Nick Ryan has a bag. Uh, oh, really? Mm-hmm. He bought a black That's one. awesome. For himself, cool. for, his, for his tools. Oh, right on. Um, also, Gordon Crago. Crago? Crago? He's one of our supporters. Grateful thank, for Gordon, too. You. So. And if you want to get the after show... Um, oh, actually, there was a question about the after show this week, and I don't know that I responded to it yet. If you're listening, if you are a Patreon supporter, when you go to Patreon, in the top right of the page, there should be a link to the RSS feed for the after show. So you can put that RSS feed in your player. You don't have to listen to it on Patreon. Um, I need to make sure I respond to that question. But you can listen to it like you listen to this show. You know, So go do that. But anyway, big thanks to everybody over there. If you want the after show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Help us out. Jump on for the new year. We'd appreciate it. Uh, again, there will be no show next week because we're going to take some time off. Do you guys have anything to recommend? 
I sent you, you how sent the Titanic it? engine works. Oh. By what is it by? I can't remember the name of the 46, channel. Forty-six thousand horsepower. How does the engine in the Titanic work? Have you ever been curious about that? Wow. No. But there's three engines. Know. And by Ocean Liner Designs. And this guy goes into deep dive and he has really good 3D modeling. You fly through the Titanic. I mean, top notch, like as good as like you'd see on the History Channel or Discovery Channel. This guy's great. Hmm. Fly-throughs of the engine rooms and the amount of people it took, the amount of coal. It's just colossus. It's amazing. And uh, all the steam liners were basically done the same way. This is obviously a little bit ramped up because it's the Titanic and everything was just slightly bigger. But they, this is how these ocean liners crossed the ocean by steam, and the steam had to be That's wild. created by boilers that had to be hand fed. So one hundred and fifty men constantly hand feeding these boilers in shifts. They could only work four hours in at an a time. environment cold enough to have icebergs. But it was so hot down there That's because you, you're like literally in the fire constantly. You're you're feet away from this fire and feeding they can only work four hours at a time because it got up to 120 degrees in these rooms wow it's un, it's unbelievable the amount of uh, human ingenuity and technology that went into these things before computers it was all hand drawn crazy and these giant steam pistons so what you got David? my pick is a video called the story behind one of the most complicated ads in history. It's, I got, I got two screens. If I'm looking, if it looks like I'm on video that uh, I can't see what I'm doing, <laughs> I've got my laptop in front of my other screen, and I was trying to see what. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, this, the video is called "The Story Behind One of the Most Complicated Ads in History." Back in 2003, Honda made this Rube Goldberg ad where all these different car parts fall in, into another one and creates a chain reaction and then what sets this car off of a ramp and it's 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 a really really cool commercial I remember yeah. that. I remember and that. this is like a behind the scenes of that and it's it's fantastic it's just the engineering that went into making this commercial is just phenomenal cool Right on. Um, I got two. Man, that is quite a title. The story behind one of the most complicated ads in history. That's that's a yeah. Um, so I have two. One is there's a guy named Adam Mormelstein. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that's how it's spelled. And I started following him on YouTube years ago when I was doing music stuff on YouTube. And he puts out like one video a year, or at least he has for the past several years. And it's just a Christmas song. He's a musician. And so he'll he'll do like a full song where he plays all the instruments. He plays everything and sings and stuff. And so I forget about him all year long. And then a Christmas song like pops up at the end of the year. And it's delightful. Hmm. It's just, he's great. It's just, he's really good. The music's fun and well-made, and so he put out Santa Claus is Coming to Town uh, yesterday or the day before or something like that, and it's just really good. It's fun to watch somebody be really good at stuff, and he's really good at stuff. So it's a nice surprise when they show up. Um, the other one is after, so uh, about our, our accountability thing, after last week, I started looking for uh, 
some cello videos so I could get back into playing cello. And I cello. found a channel. Huh? <laughs> cello. Saying cello. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. I cello. found a channel called Adult Cello. It's called Adult Cello, and it's a guy just teaching cello for and free. He, I think he has like an online course and stuff too, but he has just a bunch of videos teaching basic cello stuff, which is really cool because I haven't done it since college. So, uh, you know, remembering how to tune properly and the grip and all this stuff, and it's nice to have reasonably short videos. Somebody who just is explaining it. It's not overly complicated and snotty, and it's not one of those, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, I watched a, a harp video one time. I don't know why. It was for some other purpose. But the person trying to teach how to play harp was very happy with himself that they knew how to play harp and nobody uh. else did. And it was one of those weird, like, <laughs> like how would you? Why would you learn from a person like this? Because they're not really trying. They're trying to teach you that they know how to play cello rather than to teach you. It's how not to Emily harp, Hopkins, harp. is it? Anyway. Because I don't know she was. she was years ago. she th she's a harp player and she has an amazing YouTube channel and she, uh, she's just phenomenal at the harp. But she has uh, a lot of her videos are kind of um, she runs a lot of guitar pedals through the harp, and so they're very hmm. experimental. And there's kind of a, a a very dry humor in in a lot of them, and sometimes there's kind of an attitude. A lot of times there's kind of an attitude. So I don't know if it was one oh. of her older videos, but it's, 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 if it is, it's just her thing. Gotcha. It could have been. I do remember watching somebody that played a cello or a harp through guitar mm -hmm. pedals. I don't know if it was the same okay. person or not, though. But anyway, adult cello, if you're interested in learning cello. Adult cello you guys, sounds I so, you. like, I just picture a, like a dude naked. <laughs> huh well it's not okay. that <laughs> that's crazy so i uh, just uh, another quick little um anecdote so this week we started cleaning up my dad's house so i went out there and my dad was a hoarder and not 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 a joke he was a hoarder he's a real hoarder and so he's lots of stuff that just goes right in the garbage stuff that's really unnecessary multiples of the same thing that are unnecessary this is this is not an exaggeration. I found about forty remote controls in his TV room, which is the first room we cleaned out. Me and Rob, my assistant, went down there. Rob Brohas, and we cleaned out the front room, put it all in the front yard. Called Facebook Market free. People came, mm -hmm. took about fifty percent of it, books and DVDs and you know all stuff that you can get online now. Gave away about thirty calculators that were just randomly in cushions and stuff, and then remote controls. And I saved all the remote controls because they're all from Cablevision. I don't know how he got 40 remote controls from Cablevision. He must have just kept calling up and saying, I lost my remote control. Could you send me another one? I don't know how. They're all Cablevision remote controls. Some of them are still hmm. in the sealed bag with the batteries. Crazy. But I found a thumb drive under the couch and three hearing aids, which he kept complaining that he would lose his hearing aids. I found them under the couch. Uh, on this thumb drive is from 2014. My nephew now is... My nephew now is like 20. No, so some of the stuff was from like 2006. I don't know. My nephew was like four or five years old on it. Hmm. He's 21 now. And on there, there's seven or eight clips of him playing the trumpet. My nephew's a accomplished trumpet player, my, my sister's son, Dylan. And in there, I'm like, if this five-year-old kid could be playing scales, 
there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to. So That's it was right. like a message from above. You need to stop practicing your scales. And okay. So awesome. based on our accountability situation, I got reminded that five, even five-year-olds can play scales. And he's a drummer, a guitar player. He's a little bit virtuoso, my, my sister's son. And my, my brother-in-law, his dad, is a very accomplished drummer. He does like studio work and he, he just, he's one of these guys that constantly goes, he'll like travel to go to my, my brother-in-law, Dan. And so and there's videos of Dan and Dylan playing together and he's just a little kid. It's funny. Dan's on the piano cool. and Dylan's playing the trumpet or the drums. It's, it's cool. So yeah, that was just a reminder Yeah, that I need great. to get, I need to get my trumpet and dust it off. Cool. That's <laughs> if I ever knew how to do mm. anything with it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening this year, everybody. We're very grateful, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Thank you, everybody. and uh, we'll see you Thank in January. You. Thank we'll you, guys. See you soon. Thank you. Love you. Goodbye, 23. Another voice to be done. What is it about this <laughs> algorithm? <laughs> okay, you should do that voice, but don't say mm-hmm. who you're imitating. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, people can understand or you know send in their their thoughts on who you're imitating. <laughs> Everybody that knew him is long gone, except for me. Yeah, that's you. the problem. <laughs> yeah. Why does everybody die? <laughs> <laughs>